G'day everyone, Wednesday, February 8th, the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. A very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening. We've got some squads in uh, for matches, trial matches, the pre-season challenge, 100 grand up for grabs with these bonus points, etc. Over the next couple of weeks for the trials, heading into the new NRL season and uh, some... uh, Significant names returning from long-term injuries, some from overseas, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out heading towards the 2023 season. Uh, It's Test Eve over there in Nagpur, and it doesn't look like great news for the Australians on the injury front. It looks like Cameron Green won't be playing in that first test starting tomorrow afternoon. Xavier Cooks won the NBL MVP award, the Andrew Gaze Trophy there last night at the end of season awards and LeBron James needs 36 points to become the NBA's all-time leading scorer which would overtake Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and they play today this afternoon against the it's the Oklahoma City Thunder Josh Giddy's team yep and uh, otherwise they next play Milwaukee on Friday so uh, a legend can create History. Clarky, morning to you, mate. Morning, boys. Morning to our listeners. Morning to the people of, where did you say? Come knock. Come knock. 34 degrees there today. Yeah, hot. Nice and hot there, as okay. you would expect at this time of year. Give me my geography lesson for the day. Where is Come knock? Oh, it's uh, sort of just off the road from Orange to Dubbo. You turn left, so you're going towards Wellington. And uh, just How as you get out orange? of Molong, basically, you A couple turn of left. hours from Orange? Oh, no, nah, it wouldn't be that. It would be 40 minutes, 45. Oh, Come knock. I'm going to say heard of it. I'm going to say 50 minutes from Orange. There you okay. go, 45, 50. I'm none from three. The three towns mm. you've mentioned, I've never heard of any of them. So thank Tim, you for the education again this morning. Tim Gavin, former Wallaby from, from late Cumnock. 80s, early 90s. Okay. He's a Come Knock boy. Okay. How are you, Loza? Very well, thanks, gentlemen. What's news? Finchy, retired. International Creek. Congrats to about Aaron time. Finch. Brew- what did you say about time? About time. <laughs> Amazing struggling. short form career. Very, very, very good yeah. uh, white ball player. Uh, his record in one day cricket's outstanding. T20 cricket, obviously captain for a long period of time as well. Took us to the, we, he won one, one T20 World Cup as captain uh, over in the UAE. Uh, so yeah, congrats to Finchie. A, a brilliant career. He should be very proud and um, now I think you'll see him continue to play the 2020 junket around the world and um, and hopefully stay in the BBL as well so young boys and girls in Australia can continue to watch him play. And he played in your 2015 World Cup he squad, did. of he course, was, didn't he? He was a brilliant one-day player. Uh, scored some very important hundreds for us at the top of the order. Uh, was excellent in that World Cup campaign as well. And, uh, yeah, good team, man, Finchie. So, yeah, congrats to him. Yeah, 146 one-day internationals for Australia. A high score of 153, not out, at 38.89. Uh, he played 103 2020 internationals and scoring 3,120 runs at 34.28, but has the highest score uh, in T20 international history so far. Of course, it's not a a lengthy history yet, but that's unbelievable. Uh, He did that against Zimbabwe in 2018 and uh, just played the five tests for Australia. He had a couple against Pakistan in 2018 over in uh, the UAE and played three home tests against India. And that was the period after Cape Town when Mm. we had no D Warner or S Smith yeah. Uh, in the lineup, so just the five tests, but uh, was always sort of a white ball specialist, mm. uh, pup. And uh, well, we don't play T Twenty International for quite some time, but I think it's South Africa later this year. 
Uh, but uh, there'll be a lot of debate about who should be the captain of that side now going forward. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I don't think it'll be Paddy Cummins. I don't think he'll put his hand up for that. I think him doing the the test matches and the one days will be plenty uh, on his plate. Um, I'm sure he's still Paddy Cummins will want to play in that Australian T20 team, but I, I don't think he'll want the extra responsibility of the captaincy. So, yeah, maybe they'll look. Um, in Because we've got that time leading up to the next T20 World Cup, and, and again, I think that's... You know, Finchie made that point in his speech that he wanted the new captain to be able to make it his team and do what he needs to do to get the squad around around him um, in preparation for that next World Cup. So there's plenty of time. Um, I don't know, maybe there's an opportunity for, for a younger captain um, who the selectors think might, um, I don't know, might get an opportunity as, as time goes on if Paddy's injured or if once Paddy finishes the captaincy. I, I don't know what they'll be thinking, but yeah, there's plenty of time. That's the... That's the good thing. Trial squads out. They can pick up to 28 lots, but some you know some names of note. Firstly, in the Bulldogs-Raiders game, which is at Maruya uh, this weekend. So, Joshy Reynolds, our great mate, set to start in the halves with Kyle Flanagan. And Jared Croker, great to see him back for the Raiders as well, Loz. Yeah, fingers crossed that Jared can get through the season okay because the last couple of years he's had some injuries that has put his career in doubt, and I'd love to see him play 300 games for the club. He's, I think he's only, might be seven or eight games away from doing that. But the Bulldogs, Josh Reynolds back in Bulldogs colours. I'm sure all Bulldog supporters are happy about that. Um, there's no Matt Burton, which you can understand being rested. Uh, but some teams have named some of their high-profile pro, high players, and understandably so, uh, in particular the Dolphins with uh, Milford playing. Uh, these type of players, just to try and get them co- their combinations happening. Um, but no, I, I just can't wait to see the footy back on TV. It gives us something to watch. Uh, while you know there'll be a lot of players coming on and off the field this weekend, it just to have it back on the screens is very good. We all look forward to seeing who we think will win the competition and how our teams are going to go. But there's a couple of interesting teams this year. One's the West Tigers because of their recruitment, how they'll go. And the Bulldogs, I think they've recruited really well. Um, and new coach Cameron Seraldo, uh, from all reports, they're training the house down. <laughs> so we'll see how they go in their first trial. But I, I take nothing out of trials. I think that most clubs just want to make sure they, they give their clubs some, uh, their players some time out there on the field and hopefully they come through injury free and they're there in round one. You're worried if you're not training the house down. Yes, if you're not bigger, there. faster, stronger than you were the previous <laughs> year, you're in trouble. Uh, now... Uh, down in Geelong, uh, the Roosters have played the Melbourne Storm. And uh, Brandon Smith, their recruiter, they're at the Roosters, straight away gets to play against a few of his old teammates. It's probably not a bad thing for Brandon Smith. Um, you know, he's he's been there such a long period of time and got a wonderful relationship with Craig Bellamy. There's no Jerome Hughes, Harry Grant, Cameron Munster or Ryan Pappenhausen for the Storm. But the Roosters squad, um, it's filled with some experienced players as well. Um, not only is Smith playing, but you've got the likes of Carey, you've got Sam Walker, you've got Radley, and Swali'i uh, is going to play, but he's going to play in the centres. So that might be an indication of where they think his future will be this season. You know that you've got James Tedesco as the number one, um, and then possibly Manu filling in if something happened to um, Tedesco. Uh, but Swali'i has made it clear that he feels as though his future is at one. Uh, he did an outstanding job for Samara in the World Cup. Uh, but as it stands at the moment, with Joey Manu in the team and James Tedesco there, he's going to have to bide his time out wider. 
Mitchell Moses spoke yesterday as well, and he was adamant he wants to get his future sorted before the season starts, and his primary desire is to win a premiership. He hasn't watched the grand final loss yet, but plans to and wants to learn from it before the start of the season. He says uh, it's the most fit he's been heading into a new season. Always good to hear, but uh, I, I, well, I'll tell you what, you'll know, pup, uh, when he signs for whoever, whether it's the, the Eels or the Tigers, they seem to be the two, that if he picks the Tigers, he'll that's a, an, an ode, I guess, to saying they're closer to a premiership than Parramatta if he does take that path. It's going to be interesting. Oh, look, I can't see him leaving Parra. I think if Parra can afford him or get close to the numbers that the Tigers are going to offer, I, I think he'll stay. I think he's he's had opportunity already throughout his career to, to play somewhere else. I think he... He seems to love it at Parramatta. I don't know. He's just one of those players, I reckon, that seem, he seems like a Parramatta boy. You know, he just he belongs there. I think the club's been through so many highs and lows. Um, you know, I, as much as I'd love to see him at the Tigers, don't get me wrong, I just think he I think he should stick it out at Parra. I, I think they've done a lot of hard work. They've come a long way. They were so close last year. I think he should stick it out and do whatever he can to, to try and chase that grand final victory dream. Um, with the Parramatta Eels, as much as, like I say, but yeah, for the Tigers, it'd be a massive plus. Don't get me wrong, but from Mitch's perspective, um, yeah, I think he's he's been through too many ups and downs at that club, in my opinion, to to walk away without continuing to have a crack for that grand final victory. And we'll have Dick Fane coming on in about 20 minutes' time, and it's a big week ahead of the Super Bowl, of course. And back page of the Daily Telegraph, Mylata Mania, follow the sun is the headline there. And uh, Jordan Mylata there uh, being, uh, well, surrounded by so many media uh, ahead of the Super Bowl Monday morning. The Philadelphia Eagles left tackle, the Bankstown boy, and, uh, well, speaks about how Sonny Bill Williams and seeing him transition in sports uh, from league to union to boxing. Uh, how that gave him strength to transition to the NFL. Also speaks about Michael Maguire and just the honesty that he gave him that, you know, you're probably too big to get around the field at, uh, you know, the pace you'll need to to make it in the NRL and how that really just helped him, having that brutal feedback for him to eventually chart his path to where he's now. Mm. And, uh, well, he's... For anyone who's a neutral heading into Monday morning... Get on the Mylata train, Loz. Oh, it's just an amazing story, Mido. 2017, playing rugby league, goes overseas, and all of a sudden, six years later, he's playing in a Super Bowl. Um, and he's one of the best left tackles in the game. Um, he's going to earn a lot of money if he stays injury-free. Um, he's such a big man. He was always going to be probably too big for the NRL, just the speed of the game. He wouldn't have been able to compete at. Um, if it was unlimited interchange, uh, no, no worries at all. Um, he would have been someone that a lot of teams would have been chasing. But just think about this. You're going over there to a sport you've never really seen before or watched. And it's a difficult game to, to understand and it's a difficult game to, to get to know. Um, you've got to be able to study hard. You've got to be able to sit in meetings all day and then go out and put that knowledge into practice. And for someone that has started from scratch... To be where he is today, that's one of the more amazing things I've ever seen. And not just be in the squad. I mean, be a very important part of the squad, looking after the quarterback. 
He, he, it's one of the most technical, difficult positions on the park. Oh, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And again, you get back to he must have great knowledge, a great understanding of the game. He's got a willingness to learn. He's been through some tough times. Mm. He wanted to walk out at times, but he stuck at it and persevered, and now he's living out his dream. Um, and I think it's a remarkable story, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's a movie at some stage made yeah. about him. Yeah, it is an awesome story. So Jordan Mylata give him and the Eagles strength from an Australian perspective on Monday morning. Now, uh, also on the back page of the telly, Enemo to take on the world, an exclusive here. Uh, so James Cummings of Godolphin saying that uh, provided he continues to dominate in the wait for age races through the Sydney Autumn Carnival, then Royal Ascot beckons uh, this year. So that'd be exciting if we can see Enemo over there taking on the world. What about this other story in the back page of the Telegraph today. Civil War claims of secret NRL recording. And uh, this was a story actually broken by the Herald there yesterday, uh, which the Telegraph's uh, brought more out on. Now, so the Herald posted a story where a senior NRL employee was caught recording discussions at a conference last Friday uh, between Andrew Abdo and the players. Now, the ARLC chairman, Peter Volantis, has ensured there'll be an investigation into this. The Telegraph's saying that the player who caught the employee was Justin Olam. So there they're sitting there in confidence. And Andrew Abdo's apparently brought an employee from the NRL who wasn't supposed to be there, but the players are okay. And that person has been caught, allegedly, recording the discussions going on. I mean, this is getting towards breaking point badly. Well, it's disappointing when you've got you know, private discussion and you've got someone there recording it. And I, I, I'm sure that if they'd asked the players whether they could record, the players would have said no. But they're saying that they wanted to just record what the CEO was saying, Andrew Abda. Um, <laughs> what? And I, I don't know how someone could record something if everyone in the room didn't know it was happening. Surely it's illegal. Well, that's what the, the players are claiming, and therefore there's be. an investigation You've now. got to say at the start of the meeting, listen. You can't be recorded without your knowledge. We are, we are recording this. Have you got, have you, have you, has anyone got an objection to it? If you have, well, we won't do it. 100% illegal. So, yeah, this will be interesting to see what comes out of that because, oh, well, now where does this all lead to as far as the CBA is concerned? I mean, the trust between the two sides is just... Imagine if you were uh, one of the leaders in that playing group. And this happened? <laughs> no, thank you. I don't think I don't think it'd be any more conversations. No, well, there wouldn't be too many discussions going on, or you wouldn't want to go and sort of meet with the leaders again. Um, goes but you'd leave trust. it to your your chairman, leave it to your to your your CEO to to do all the discussions. But yeah, I think when you come to those sort type of situations, if something is going to be filmed or recorded at the start of the meeting. You need to know. You, you acknowledge that this is going 100%. to happen. And, and if anyone uh, doesn't uh, like it, then let's have a discussion about mm. it and we won't go down that path. But when you do it, when the players are sitting there thinking that it's a private meeting and someone's recording it, yeah, I can see how that goes down badly. 
Uh, on the back page of the City Morning Herald, Mitchell Query's coverage of arrests is the headline there. So uh, over at the uh, All-Stars over in New Zealand, Latrell Mitchell, Jack White in front of the media yesterday reiterated their apologies. I mean, how many times do we have to apologise uh, in 2023, but uh, in regards to his shoulder, uh, Latrell Mitchell said that the doctor will pretty much cleared him, but there are definitely a few things going on with it, he says, and uh, but it's an underlying issue. So uh, I'm sure Jason Demetrio won't be, would be a bit concerned hearing those comments as he prepares to play this weekend. But on the incident itself, and particularly uh, the footage that emerged uh, Mitchell says, would you hear about it if it wasn't Jack White and, and Latrell Mitchell uh, being in that footage? Well, the answer's probably, well, almost certainly no, but that's the price you pay when, you, when you've got uh, that profile in the NRL. But uh, particularly in regard to his shoulder, Loz, I mean, that doesn't sound too great. And if you're, you're part no. of the South's coaching staff, do you really want him playing this weekend? Let's be honest. Look, it's probably been something that's been underlying for a while. That's what I'm taking out of it. I'm sure he's had it uh, for the past, you know, end of the season type of thing. Uh, probably heard it again in the, the World Cup or he played with it throughout the World Cup uh, because if he did have a serious issue with his shoulder, then he wouldn't be playing in this game. South Sydney would put their foot down and say, listen, he's a massive investment for the club. Uh, we don't want him to be playing. Exactly what happened last year with the State of Origin. that They would put their foot down and say, look, this is not happening. The Bulldogs did the same thing with Josh Adokar. You know, he's been back three weeks. It's not a great preparation to go in this type of game with because it's played at a different speed, different tempo, different intensity, and you are at risk of injuring yourself. So uh, I think it's probably just pre-existing. It's something that's been there a while. It's something you've got to continue to deal with. Also, the back page of the Herald, Storm Star waiting for Eddie's Wallabies call. So uh, Nelson Asofa-Solomona indicating here that, uh, well, he'll look at all options as he comes off contract this year. Uh, he's got a rugby union background, so that's uh, music to, I'm sure, Rugby Australia and potentially Eddie, Eddie Jones's ears. Uh, big brute of a man. I'm sure they'd probably love to have him at least around the squad eventually uh, there with the Wallabies. I think but, he was uh, going to go and play rugby union. I, th- I think he'd want to go and play over with a New Zealand franchise and try and make himself available for the All Blacks, Nelson. I think he's a very proud Kiwi, very proud Maori boy. And I think a lot of those players always have that dream of pulling on that mm. black jumper. Dick Fane coming up shortly. Now, Pup, uh, we didn't get to this on the back page of the Herald, but Spin and Barrett is the headline there. So this Nagpur pitch, uh, the Aussies had a look at it yesterday. Now, Steve Smith's saying that there's a section at one end that's particularly dry and it'll be handy for India's left armers, spinning it back into our lefties. So there's plenty of them, Kawaja, Warner, Head and Carey. Uh, he also said the cracks felt loose and that he doesn't think there'll be much bounce for the quicks, but apparently there's one spot up one end mm. just outside the left-handers off stump, which is... Uh, Pretty much bare already. Yeah, and it's an orange clay as well in Nagpur. So I think there's, I think the Aussies, if they've turned up to India thinking they're not going to be absolute turners from ball one, they're in for a rude shock. Uh, I, I'd be, you know, if a fast bowler's bowling to you, an Indian fast bowler's bowling to you, I'd be licking my lips. You're only getting, at best, you're getting fast bowling while the ball's brand new and reverse swing. 
anything else in between in a five-day game is going to be spin to win, I would imagine. That's what I'd be preparing if I was Australia. So, uh, yeah, their batters have got some work to do. Uh, they've got to work out, how, most importantly, how they're going to start their innings against the Indian spinners. I think that's, once you're in, once you're on 20 or 30, it's you feel a bit more comfortable playing those cross-bat shots. And I spoke to you boys about it a while ago that a lot of the Australian batters now are looking to sweep, which is uh, a very important shot if the ball's spinning, um, but much easier once you've been at the crease for a little bit of time. I think there's a lot of risk in playing that cross-bat sweep shot early on in your innings. If there's variation in regards to bounce, that brings in a top edge playing a cross-bat shot. Um, I think protecting a sweep shot in regards to setting a field as a captain is a lot easier as well than somebody that can do, you know, a combination of move their feet, rotate strike with the straight bat, playing with the spin, and then use a natural sweep or a little paddle. I think you're going to need all those options if the wickets are going to be big spinners over in India. Um, so hopefully the boys are working hard on that in the nets because, they're, as we mentioned, they're not playing in, in a tour game. But then we get the chance to bowl as well. So if, there, if there's rough outside that off stump for a left-hander, for the India's, you know, Jadeja left-arm orthodox, then, you know, I think that plays into Ashton Agar's hands. Mm. Um, you know, India mightn't have as many left-handers, but maybe find a way, you know. Does, the, does Ashton Agar bowl over the wicket to the right hand? It might take out LBW, but can bring in bat pad, offside, bat pad, leg side, leg slip. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, it, it, you can't just... Well, if the pitch is that bad and you're just aiming at one spot, you're bowling one bowler to aim at that one spot, it's not going to be a fun test match for anyone. I think you've still got other ways. If it's spinning from that spot, it's going to spin from other areas. Uh, If there's lack of bounce, it brings in LBW for the fast bowls as well. So we get to bat on it. We get to bowl on it. We just need to be as well prepared as we can and be able to adapt, adapt with selection who is the best 11 players in those conditions for that pitch to win us a test match and then adapt in the way we are playing. Okay, we know, lefties know there's going to be challenging outside that off stump from ball one. What's our plan? You know, that's where you need coach, batting coach, senior players. David Warner's been there for a long time. Usman Khawaja's experience, Captain Queensland. Steve Smith's Captain Australia. Marnus Labashev's Captain Queensland. Travis Head, Captain South Australia. Like, you've got five senior batsmen there. If you guys can't work it out, we've got some issues. Yeah, sure. So whatever we can provide, whatever those guys can do, will be the best that, that we got, that's for sure. Apparently the most recent first-class match there. Uh, in the fourth innings, the target was 79, and the team was bowled out for 53. Yeah. Wow. So get ready. This is going to be slow. Yeah. But the, Turner. even that, like, that's the thing I think when you go to places like the subcontinent, it, it doesn't matter if you win on day three or you win the last ball day five. It doesn't matter if you win with one wicket remaining or you win no wickets down. The key is to beat the opposition. So scratch, find a way. Hmm. Bat right-handed. I, I don't. I don't care how we do it. That's got to be our attitude. We, we, the test match doesn't need to go five days, and we win by three hundred and twenty. I think it's just okay. Well, this is what we're in for. Both teams have got to play on it. Hopefully, we win the toss so we get the best of conditions. But if we don't, then we'll just do our absolute best to try and find a way to win. And like I say, I think our certainly our batting unit is as experienced as we've probably ever had over in India. Hello, Nick. Hi, boys. We'll get to the Super Bowl. So much to talk about ahead of 
Uh, well, Sunday, your time, Monday, our time. But I just want to start with the NBA and the fallout, Dick, of this massive trade between the Brooklyn Nets and the Dallas Mavericks. So Kyrie Irving joining Luka Doncic there at Dallas. What's been, I guess, the overall reaction to this? And, uh, well, the fallout for both teams and, I guess, also the Lakers. Well, yeah, that's the overall reaction has to do with Kyrie Irving and also the Lakers more so than even the Mavericks. The Mavericks are kind of the third story on this in all this. Uh, Kyrie forcing his way out, just kind of doubling down that that guy is uh, a French fry short of a Happy Meal. There's no question about that. And uh, the Lakers not getting him, which I thought was a, a perfect fit because the Lakers had to do something to become championship contenders. They're not going to even come close to a championship with their current roster. Kyrie may or may not have pushed them up to that level. I think the one thing that gave them a chance is the fact that the Western Conference is so wide open. And that's when we get to Dallas. I mean, that's what Mark Cuban is thinking, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, the very outspoken owner of the Dallas Mavericks. He's thinking, all right, hey, I got all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year without Kyrie Irving. I think I can win the Western Conference and go to the, and go to the NBA Finals, maybe not win the whole thing, but I can get to the NBA Finals with Kyrie Irving. It all has to do with how he and Luka Doncic get along. I mean, get along off the court, get along on the court. Luka's a, you know, a pretty mellow guy. He should be able to, uh, to handle Kyrie all, all right. And I, I certainly think Dallas's chances of winning the West are better now than they were last week. But Kyrie is such a wild card that you have really no idea how he's going to impact that team. Dick, what about LeBron? When does he break this record? Boy... You know, it's interesting because he can break it any night he wants, right? When LeBron James wants to score 36 points, he can score 36 points. If he wants to break it tonight, he'll break it tonight. If he wants to wait for a (laughs) higher-profile game on Thursday against the Milwaukee Bucks, then I wouldn't be surprised if he just settles with, you know, 28, 30 points tonight and then breaks it in that much higher-profile game in Los Angeles on Thursday. So, I mean, you think about... The, the, pri- the, the tickets to get in right now, the get-in price on Thursday night is $500 at the Staples Center. That's just the lowest get-in price, five to $600. So LeBron really holds a lot of power in his hand because do you want to buy that ticket right now in hopes that you're getting a two or $3,000 ticket if LeBron James doesn't score 36 tonight, mm. or if he does score 36, all of a sudden that $600 ticket's worth about 100 bucks. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. <laughs> so is, is the game today away, is it? It's not at home. Yeah. Ah, right, yep. Well, he probably wants to break it at the Staples Center. Oh, that was, I suppose a record like that, it doesn't really matter where you break it, as long as you break it. No, there's no question. I mean, he's going to break it. He's going to continue to uh, put up points. He's going to have 43, 44,000 points by the time it's all said and done. And, you know, he's just absolutely a a remarkable talent. And I I was incorrect. Tonight's is at the Staples Center uh, as well as Thursday nights. I I had to double check on that. But the the, the prices for that Thursday night game are going to be absolutely off the charts if he doesn't break it tonight. And because it's against Giannis in Milwaukee. Hmm. Let's talk Super Bowl. What's the biggest storyline heading into the game? Is it Patrick Mahomes' ankle? I think it's Patrick Mahomes' legacy. Uh, I think what Patrick Mahomes can do for his legacy uh, as potentially a multiple-time MVP and a multiple-time Super Bowl champion, I think what Andy Reid can do for his legacy, cementing further into the, uh, the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's already in the Hall of Fame, but cementing himself potentially now 
there will be national pundits talking about Andy Reid being a top five all-time coach in, in uh, the NFL if he wins this game. I think, the yes, the injuries to both quarterbacks. Uh, I'm actually more interested in the injury to Jalen Hurts because I think there's much more mystery surrounding the injury to Jalen Hurts. I think we saw what Patrick Mahomes was two weeks ago, and we assume that he's going to be better two weeks later as his ankle will heal. He was absolutely capable of playing two weeks ago. Now, he wasn't 100% Patrick Mahomes, but he was 70% Patrick Mahomes. Can he be 90% Patrick Mahomes this week? If he can, the Chiefs are going to win this football game. Well, the line at the moment, well, the Eagles holding favoritism still minus one and a half with us uh, here at Tab. I I guess, I reckon a lot of pros will probably be on Philly and a lot of... uh, well, the public will probably be will look at this game and go, what do I get Patrick Mahomes as an underdog? Yes, please. Yeah, and Patrick Mahomes as an underdog or a short favorite is, is uh, massively covers the spread. I mean, uh, upwards into the 70% range. Where Patrick Mahomes struggles to cover the spread is when he's a touchdown or more favorite, which he certainly is not here. Um, the, the line, it, it moved a lot at the very beginning, and it swung heavily from Kansas City to Philadelphia at the very beginning. It has not moved a lot since. I mean, in the first, it came out, I saw books where it came out as Kansas City minus one, and both the public and the pros took that the other way to as much as, I believe, two and a half points for Philadelphia. And it's kind of settled in over the last 24, 48 hours. I haven't seen it move off one and a half. I got it at one and a half yesterday when I did my show at the, uh, at the casino in Tacoma. So I got Kansas City plus one and a half. Did not put a lot of money on it, guys, because, you know, I'm, I, there's other wagers I like better than the side in this game. But uh, I, I do think that Jalen Hurts' injury, we have not seen the real Jalen Hurts since he was injured. And we may not see the real Jalen Hurts because it may be a situation with him, with his arm, that he's going to need a procedure done at the end of the year and to, to, to truly fix it. We have not seen Jalen Hurts, the September-October quarterback that he was, that was you know, propelling him to one of the favorites in the MVP award. We have not seen that since, I mean, we're talking about since the injury over a month ago. Well, Dick, there's extra interest here in Australia because of the Jordan Atlanta uh, you know, situation. He's been playing the game for five years and a remarkable story. He played rugby league out here, was too big to play rugby league and didn't have the fitness required, goes over there, he trials, gets a contract, and now he's in an important position for the Eagles. I mean, what a remarkable story and a remarkable athlete this guy is. No, no question about it. And I think it's going to provide some uh, much more Australian interest in the in the football game, will it not? Yes, it is. It's, it certainly is. I think that if you supported one of these sides, uh, you'll support them. But the neutral fan here, because yeah. of the fact that Jordan is playing uh, and he's on the news uh, regularly this week, uh, plenty of people are taking an interest in it and want him to do well. Well, it's almost like the Matthew Delavidova situation when he made the finals, right? And he had <laughs> that, that amazing playoff run. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, annoying LeBron. That was entertaining yeah. to watch. Uh, okay, well, you mentioned there's other bets you like. Very interested in them, Dick. What, what do you like then? Yeah, the, some of my favorites. I do like the under uh, better than the side. Um, I think these are the two best pass rushing teams in the NFL. Now, they're good offensive lines, but there will be sacks in this game. There will be 
you know, second and longs, third and longs in this football game. And while, you know, the, the public side's usually the overside, I would set this line at about 48 and a half, somewhere in there. I think we're getting a couple of points of value. I got it at 50 and a half yesterday on the, on the underside. I just think this is a game where Philadelphia probably comes out early. They're a very good first half team. I mean, Philadelphia is always leading at halftime and usually by, you know, seven to 10 points. Uh, I think we settle in for kind of a defensive battle in the, in the second half. And, uh, you know, it's, it, both teams finish in kind of the mid-20s. So uh, I think this game ends up in the, in the high 40s for the over-under. As far as individual guys, Isaiah Pacheco is a very interesting player. And I really want to see Andy Reid use him. And sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't out of the backfield. And when he does, he's been very effective. And Pacheco, over the last 11 games has averaged almost 70 yards rushing per game. His over-under is 49 and a half. I don't think the Chiefs can drop back 45 to 50 times and pass and win this game, particularly with the injuries to their wide receivers. They're going to have to have somewhat of a balanced offense, and Pacheco is going to have to be that number one guy. So I see Pacheco getting you know, anywhere from 12 to 15 carries, you know, averaging four to five yards a carry, that easily gets you over the 40, uh, 49 and a half. Dick, uh, what about the announcement from Tom Brady? Were you surprised? I was. I was surprised. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've spoken about that numerous times prior to the announcement. I thought that he was done with Tampa Bay, mm. but I thought he would land somewhere else, be it San Francisco, be it uh, Las Vegas, you know, moving closer to his uh, West Coast roots. Uh, so, yes, I was very surprised, and I thought actually – San Francisco would have been a perfect fit for him because look what they have at quarterback right now. They've got Brock Purdy on the shelf for six months, mm. who started what four, six or seven football games in his career, and they got Trey Lance on the shelf for at least another three or four months, and he's only started a handful of games. That's all they have at quarterback because they already said they are not re-signing Jimmy Garoppolo. So I thought Brady to the 49ers would be perfect with that defense, with that running game. I would have made San Francisco the favorite to win the Super Bowl going into next year's season had Tom Brady gone to the 49ers. Uh, a coach in demand was Sean Payton, and he's gone to the Broncos. Is that a good fit for the Broncos, and in particular Russell Wilson, to work with Payton as head coach? Yeah, I think it's probably the best fit they could have gotten, and boy, they paid for it. I mean, you look at the capital that they have given up for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. We're talking about like four first-round picks, three or four second-round picks, the money that they paid Russell Wilson, $50 million a year, 18 to $20 million a year for Sean Payton. I mean, they are all in on two guys. If Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson. Now, some of Russell Wilson's not fixable. He is just not the athlete he was when he was with the Seahawks. And he will never get that back. And Sean Payton has to know that. So Sean Payton has to turn Russell Wilson into more of a Drew Brees like quarterback where he you know teach him some of drew Brees's finer points because they're both about the same size so peyton manning or excuse me sean payton has had a lot of good experience with a shorter quarterback that's extremely accurate and that's what russell wilson is dick i'm sure we'll chat before the super bowl mate really appreciate your time where will you be by the way on uh, super bowl sunday you know, I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a big party because we leave on vacation the next day. And so uh, I've been instructed by the wife. We're not going to have a ton of people over. She doesn't want to host. So <laughs> You've been told, Dick. Well, when you're hosting, you've got to clean up the next day. <laughs> exactly. We've got to get out of the house the next day. She doesn't want to clean up. Good on you, mate. Thanks so much. See you, boys. Dick Fane there. So, uh, yeah, the market's still. Philadelphia $1.80 with Tab. Kansas City. Two dollars. 
The line is one and a half. Kansas City, the plus. Uh, Dick really likes the under on the total points, which is set at 50 and a half at the moment. Uh, the under, $1.95 there. Uh, he also really liked Pacheco over in rushing yards, but uh, he's getting different quotes to a tab that's gone up because that's been well bet. Uh, Pacheco, it's uh, the over under is 55 and a half. Uh, now, Dick said he was getting it at 48, 49 and a half, but uh, he liked over that. So uh, at 55 and a half, I'll leave it up to you there as to what you want to do with that. But uh, some of Dick's bets heading towards. Super Bowl Monday. Also, there is a market in relation to LeBron breaking the all-time scoring records, and you can bet on when it will occur. So they've got the game today uh, against Oklahoma City, and uh, as for yeah, that's two dollars thirty. So he needs thirty-six points to overtake Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So if you go into the basketball in the NBA menu. And you can find exact date LeBron breaks scoring records. So today against Oklahoma City, two dollars thirty, or on Friday against Milwaukee's a dollar forty-five, and then uh, the up- other options are twenty to one and longer. So uh, the market's saying it'll either be uh, today or Friday. Thirty-six points. Does he ham it up today? And with Josh Giddy, what, what a moment for Josh Giddy to be able to be there, be there when absolute history is potentially made. Uh, or does it happen Friday against Milwaukee? Oh, do you wait for Friday? You don't, you know, well, you don't, wait, you don't wait for anything. No, you just <laughs> do it when you're Mate, you, if you If you've got a chance to score 40 in the match, you score 40 because to tell you what, you don't know what's coming tomorrow. You might never step foot on that court again tomorrow. If he wants to do it, he'll do it. Exactly right. We'll take the $2.30 today then. Well, I, I think if he goes out there go, and goes, you know what, I'm going to do it today, I, I think he has... Shot after shot after shot. Mm. But you're not gonna, he's not going to go the... I can't imagine anybody no, would go the other on. way. You score 28 and you go, oh, no, I'm just, you know what? Yeah, just, I'm just going to sit... I'll off. just pass now. Mm. Yeah, Surely no. nobody in uh, playing sport at the highest level... No, like, of course not. What are his teammates thinking and if he goes and, and does that? And if he gets into the fourth that. quarter with five minutes to go and he's you know, 10 points behind or something like the record, he's on 26 points or 28 points. Don't worry, they'll be trying to give him the ball. To 100%, shoot. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to see. It. I think it's got to go that way. If anything, it's got to go that way. Yeah. You're giving him the board to try and, try and achieve record. that record because, yeah. again, mate, none of us know what's coming tomorrow. Oh, this is perfect. This game's two o'clock tip off this afternoon our time. Perfect. Now the uh, NBL awards were last night, and uh, Xavier Cooks of the Kings he took out the Andrew Gaze Trophy. For most valuable player. So he had 120 votes. Bryce Cotton, 96. And Mitch Creek of South East Melbourne had 80 votes. So well done to Xavier Cooks. Uh, amongst the other awards, now the best defensive player was Antonius Cleveland of Adelaide. Uh, the coach of the year, Adam Ford, former Kings coach, now with the Cairns Taipans. They went from the second worst record in the league to well, finishing third on the ladder. Uh, so Ford finished, uh, well, Chase Buford finished third in the coach of the year. Uh, and how about most improved player? Now, this is one for you, Pup. Can he get most improved? Coaches award most about, improved. <laughs> well, think about even as a junior playing footy and cricket or whatever. Can you get it two years in a row? No. Well, Keanu Pinder of Cairns has won that award two years in a row in the NBL. Mm, okay. I think most improved is the coaches award. I think that's the award normally... I'm talking about it, team, at man. junior level where the coach looks around to one of the boys or girls that hasn't received much in the last season and you give them the coach's award. 
most improved. It's a, it's an interesting one. Two years in a row. Mm. Jeez, he must he must have improved big time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you want that award two years in a row. Well, you'd think he'd be up for MVP. He'd be getting it two years yeah. in a row. But anyway, there you go. There's some of the awards from last night. Just congrats, some, congrats to yeah, all the winners. Oh, it's flying. Yeah. Uh, now, just some news as well. Oh, it's, it certainly turned ugly this situation in the WNBL between Shane Heal and the Sydney Flames. It's a real mystery. Uh, nothing's really come out of, as far as details are concerned as to well, why Heal hasn't been present and uh, has been stood down pending an investigation there. But News Corp saying that Heal applied for a federal court injunction uh, to prevent the club making a decision on his employment and an investigation is ongoing. So uh, that is a real mystery, that situation. Uh, basketball royalty, isn't he, Shane Heal? So that uh, doesn't sound good uh, that uh, it's really fallen apart, that relationship. So we're... Well, you know, it's hard to predict what will happen there because, uh, as I mentioned, uh, no real details have come out on it. Uh, give us a call, 135353. Uh, send a text 0419767272. Uh, now, as far as the team for tomorrow, Clarkie is concerned, so Steve Smith virtually conceded yesterday that Cameron Green won't play. Smith mm. said something along the lines of, you know, hasn't even really faced any pace bowling yet as he's no doubt been protecting that, that fractured finger. So now it comes down to Renshaw or Hanscom. We saw Renshaw play in the uh, last test of the summer there at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And oh, I saw some comments the other day. We spoke yesterday about, you know, whether you pick left or right hand bowlers. And I, I wonder if the selectors will be influenced by this patch outside the left-handers off stump on the pitch and whether they need to break up the left and right-hand combinations. And we've got all these lefties in the top six. I uh, mentioned them before, Kawaja Warner head carry, or carry about seven. So therefore, could they go Hanscom over Renshaw? I'm picking Renshaw based on the fact he's, well, the virtual incumbent, even though he came in for an injured Cameron Green in that last test. Ooh. Or do you pick Hanscom based on how many lefties we've no, got in that top no, seven? No, 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 no. You can't pick. You can't pick a batter. Well, I need to be careful here because on one hand I'm saying pick the best eleven to win that Test match in those conditions against that opposition. So if you are looking at that as as closely as you need to be, then you know it does come into play with selection. Oh. Did it ever when you were captain? Never, 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 never would I pick a a right hander or a left hander based on you know trying to to beat the opposition with that. I would pick who I thought was the best player for those conditions. So, uh, okay, so let's look at those two players: Renshaw versus Hanscom. I would probably be definitely be considering who's a better player of spin. If I'm looking at the pitch going, okay, it's very dry. India is certainly going to pick at least two spinners. Spin's going to play a massive part in this test. Mate. My focus then would be, okay, who's the better player of spin? I wouldn't be going, okay, who scored more runs in first-class cricket in the Australian summer? That would not come into my brain. It would be, this is the pitch we got. We know India are playing at Ashwin and Jadeja, at least those two. Who's going to, who's going to play that better? And, and I think I sort of feel like... That was the way I was brought up because that was how I got selected 
for Australia. When I went to India in 2004, I, I felt like I was the the young player that got picked for experience on the tour. And then when we got there to Bangalore, the wicket looked like it was going to be a turner because Brad Hodge was also the spare batsman. So we had the 11 players that were going to play. Brad Hodge was 13th man and I was 18th man or 17th man. That's how I took it. But then Gilly was captain because Ricky was injured. And Gilly said, well, for these conditions, facing spin... You know, I'd grown up in Sydney playing spin bowling. We're going to, even though Brad Hodge, I think, might have been averaging 60 in first-class cricket and I was averaging 40, they picked me because of condition. So I think that's probably where my brain has always grown up that way, that you actually pick the player that is best suited to those conditions. So the conversation would be, who's a better better player of spin, Hanscom versus Renshaw, not necessarily who's left-handed or who's right-handed. Do we know who's a better player of spin? Is it obvious? Well, I would say what from I have I, did, I haven't seen enough of Renshaw in the last twelve months. Mm. So before the and he's had a cracker season, Renshaw. Before the last twelve months, Hanscom was probably the second best player who's been bowling in Australia to Steve Smith. Was what was going around town? What they were talking about? Um, I don't know if that's still the case, but if it is, then that probably answers your question. Um, you know, I think Hanscom likes to move his feet. I've, in the short form, I've seen him use a, a little paddle sweep. Um, don't know, but the, yeah, I, I think Renshaw's against spin is a similar sort of uh, setup to Matthew Hayden. Big tall guy, big stride forward, likes to play sweep, likes to sweep the ball. So that's okay if the ball's spinning in. If it's spinning in towards him, that'll be easier for him to use his reach and, and hit with the spin and play that sweep shot. But yeah, I, I think that that's what the selectors certainly, if they're not picking... Cameron Green, which sounds like Green's out, Stark's out, and Hazelwood's out. So if they're going a legitimate bat at six, I'd be picking who the best player of spin is. Uh, 13.53.53 is the number. And just on Aaron Finch stepping down from international cricket, retiring from international cricket, uh, Mitch and Robertson. Pup, could Ashton Turner captain the T20 side? He's 30 and has the runs on the board with the Scorchers. Which done well, Ashton Turner is. I think he's. A, I think he's definitely got to come into consideration to be a part of that team, that World Cup squad moving forward. I think he's a. He's a very good twenty twenty player. Uh, again, what's his role? Is his role with Scorch is going to be the same for Australia? Because I. Th- I, I don't even. Well, I don't even know where the next T Twenty World Cup is. Can't, can't I don't know what it. country. So it's not Australia. So I'd be looking at conditions, but I think. Ashton Turner's been exceptional. He's been a part of that Perth team for a while. He's done a great job as captain with Adam Voges as, as coach as well. Um, yeah, I, it's a good question. I, don't, I haven't thought enough about it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I've got to look at the candidates, I guess, the people that are around. But I, I probably still see 2020 cricket. I, I'd like to think whoever's captain of that team, they do... You know, they're, they are a part or they want to be a part of the one-day setup as well and hope for the test setup. But it's, it's an opportunity for, you know, a, a very good 2020 player who's going to be in the team consistently but also has youth on their side, I would think. Um, and 30, 30 is young these days. You, Ashton, Ashton Turner can play, you know, he's just playing short-form cricket. He could play till he's 36. So he's still got, he's got plenty of time on his side. But yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that question right now, but I do think he should be a part of our 2020 setup moving forward because he's been exceptional. 
40's young, isn't it? Well, I don't know if... Well, if you're playing international cricket, I don't know if you're playing... 40 is young. I don't know if you're playing at 40, but I think you're still... You're definitely still running around at 36 these days. If you're only playing... If you're not playing test cricket, if you're only playing two formats, I think 36 is yeah easy. I think a lot... Uh, most people these days, as athletes, mm. they've got a longer career if they stay... Yep. Injury free because yep. of the benefits of sports science. Sports science have come a long way, and players, if they look after their bodies, they get a lot more out of their careers in all sports now. Yeah. So, thirty years of age for a cricketer, you would think that they could play well into their thirties, closer to forty, if they wanted to, and their body held up. Uh, Laws mentioned earlier these uh, few of these. Uh, teams for the trials this weekend. The Roosters playing the Storm in Geelong on Sunday. And uh, for the Storm, well, the Christian Welsh is back. I wonder what they'll do with the captaincy there in Melbourne. Cameron Munster will probably be a candidate now that he's re-signed. Uh, yeah, possibility of being a captain. I know I they've Christian got Joel Wil- Selwood working for them now, yes. the Cats legend. And yeah. He'll have a uh, an input, I suppose, into who he thinks is working well uh, in the off-season, they might go with a leadership group. They've done it before. Mm. Um, I think Christian Welsh was co-captain last year with Jesse Bromwich and injured himself against Parramatta, uh, did his Achilles, and that ruled him out for the season. So I'd say he'd be in the box seat, um, perhaps a Cameron Munster underneath him. Um, but Melbourne, what they've been able to do is build leaders for a long period of time. But there'll be a significant change this season without a lot of experienced players. Um, but you'd hope that you know they've developed these leaders over the last couple of years. But I, I would think Christian Welsh would be a guy that would be leading the charge, and then you could throw in a, a Cameron Munster as his as his deputy. Count it down, Clarky. Thirty hours until the r- first Ravi Ashwin attempted man cut. I'll it's be coming. watching. Clo- Do you reckon it anybody will be dismissed with the man cut? This oh, series, oh, mate, all hell will break loose. No, not in a te- nobody's backing up that much in a test match. I just, I just have a feeling it'll happen during the series. At you, one, point, somebody will be warned no, no, or dismissed. Some, someone will. There'll be, there'll be a flashpoint over it. That's Dear my man. series prediction. I don't think and so. I reckon Ravi Ashwin will be at the centre of it. I reckon anyway. if we can find a way to combat Ashwin, we are seventy percent of the way of winning the series. I think he's going to be an absolute handful in those conditions. Well, he won't be coming to the big sports breakfast lunch. Unfortunately. Many are. Friday, Feb 24. So you've got to get in, get your tickets. Wink stand, Royal Ramwick. And uh, we've got sporting and racing royalty. Some mail that the Socceroos coach will be a Oof. feature on the day. That's a good get. Uh, and uh, you've got to get your tickets from the ATC's website. So just go to australianturfclub.com.au, australianturfclub.com.au to secure your seat for the Big Sports Breakfast Lunch in barely over two weeks' time. Uh, just on the text line, Mido, can I get a shout-out in the weather report for a mate, Ed, who lives out at Cumnock. He's an avid listener. His three young boys are mad cricketers. I went out with my son to do some fencing out there over the new year. Bloody hell, talk about tough labour. Cheers, Shep. Good on you, Shep. And lucky you're not doing it today. 34. Yeah, nice dry heat there at Cumnock today. Uh, Adam Pengilly, we might send him out there. G'day, mate. How are you? Good morning, boys. I reckon you're onto something, Dred, with this, uh, this man-cat stuff. Yeah, I reckon you're right. There's going to be some drama at some stage yeah. throughout the series, isn't there? Really? Just my random prediction for yeah. the series. Come yeah. on, you yeah. blokes. No way. 
Nah. Have you seen think, Ashwin? Mate, he might warn someone, but no way. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm a big Starkey's into it as well. Mitchell, remember Starkey yeah, did it he's a to, warner. Yeah, Starkey will give him a warning. Whereas I reckon Ashwin will have a crack. He'll have a crack at a wicket. Without mm. warning. Yep. What about Daly? Daly reckons play on. He reckons, nah, should be play on. Ah. Yeah, I, I reckon it's fair game. <laughs> <laughs> fair game. I, I reckon one more. Step out of your crease. I love it. I love yeah. it. I Second love time, it. yes. No warning, warning. No warning. Just straight into it. I oh, just tell him before I started bowling. <laughs> Part of your sledge on the way back. Yeah. Just be careful here, son. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> if you step out of your you're crease, out, you're gone. You're gone. Such a huge thing to do. Very hard oh, for a you? fast bowler to man cat as well. Like you're running in a hundred meters sprinting, yeah. and you've got to stop and take the bar. Not going to happen. No, pro- possibly not. But not for a happen. spinner, I'd be very, very careful. Ravi, yeah, I reckon he's one that'll do it. <laughs> but I think it. Yeah, I think you will. I think you're right. Mita. In a test match, Australia versus yep. India, yeah. you actually think you'll do it without warning. Yeah, I think there'll be a bit. Of I don't think in you will. One too. It could be a couple of charges. Really? Yeah, I think it'll get ICC nasty. on the ball. I think it'll get nasty. Okay. Hope there's a bit of fire. Well, I think there will be. Who's going to go well, for it? Uh, well, Coley won't back down. And they're playing at home. They'll be 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Are we good enough, Adam? Uh, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit worried about this first test, Clarkie, to be mm. honest. I, I think injuries to Stark and Hazelwood and now Cameron Green has really put a strain on that team. So... Mm. Well, losing a lot of bowling options, aren't we, with, uh, without Cameron Green being available? It just gives you that third seamer, doesn't he? You can play yeah. two spinners. Yeah. Uh, without him, it's a, I reckon it's a big hole to fill. Uh, and that's nothing against Matt Renshaw or, or Hanskin. We're probably going to get that spot. But it just mucks up the balance of the side, doesn't it? Yeah. That's what I'm worried about. He's massive. For, for a young man, it shows yeah. the importance yeah. of oh. him in our team, though. Like he's, he's a massive player for us, for, not only for now, but the, yeah. next, the next 15 years. Yeah, and you don't, you don't want to go one nil down in India to your clock. Like it's a long oh, way back from losing that yeah. first test. Especially if they're, if they're producing an absolute turner now mm. and they win, oh, it's going to be hard work batting in the next three. Like the second test, I think, is in Delhi, which again, mm. they can make that a massive turner. Yeah, right. So mm. it's going to be hard. Yeah, I think you're, you're fighting your backside off to win the first test for sure. Mm. And, I, and again, I know I'm going to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but this whole preparation about oh. landing there six, seven days out, playing BBL a few days ago, yeah. like, please, leave me out of that. I couldn't agree more. Oh, I'm going to bite Complete my tongue. Rubbish. Bite my uh, tongue. Okay, let's talk some racing and the English Millennium Field finalised. We had a barrier draw yesterday as well and uh, learning to fly the $2.90 favourite. A lot of these favourites have drawn wide though, Adam. They have, Jared. but seriously, like, how good is this race going to be on oh, the weekend? Um, I know we've had this race going for a few years now, and, and quite clearly this is by far and away the best renewal we've had of the English Millennium so far. The depth of this field is just absolutely outstanding. And you're right, it's obviously made it interesting with this barrier for learning to fly, but she's a pretty adaptable filly from what we've seen at the barrier trials and obviously her first race start in the wind stakes a week or so ago. So I'd imagine that Chad Scofield won't be giving up too big a start on her um, from the gates, even though she's drawn a, a wide-ish barrier. But just the class throughout this whole field looks outstanding. I, I know I mentioned one horse on this program last week, and again, I'm looking at her thinking, geez, I think you've got something here, which is Chris Wallace-Lazago. Um, I thought she was great winning on debut, and she might just be sneaking under the radar a little bit at the moment. So I think Willie Pike potentially might have even been booked for the ride to come across from Perth to, to ride her on the weekend. So, But... Th- on a face value at the moment, there's so many different ways you go in this way, in this race. Sorry, um, it is going to be a cracking race at Ramwick there on Saturday. What's happened to Victoria in Oaks winner? She's extreme. 
Yeah, really sad news, guys. She suffered a tendon injury uh, in track work. Anthony Cummings has confirmed that she's going to be out for the autumn at the in the interim at least, and probably need a long spell on the sidelines. And I just, I really hope it's not the last ra- last race we've seen from her. That VRC Oaks last spring, because obviously we know tendon injury is extremely hard to come back from. Given the time of year she sustained it as well, um, I'd imagine being a breeding prospect next spring is probably pretty attractive. So. I don't know what Anthony and Rob Crabtree are thinking at the moment, but um, I've got grave fears that she might have run her last race. So let's see what happens in the next few months, see how she recovers. But that's a real shame because what she did as a two-year-old and then as a three-year-old last spring was phenomenal. So she could have been one of the stars of the track for the next 12 to 18 months. She raced on as a four-year-old, but unfortunately... It's going to be a pretty hard obstacle to come back from. Yeah, just after we lost Totsu, of course, as well. Mm. Previous Derby winner. Uh, now, uh, really sad news uh, with uh, the racing media losing, well, a legend, really, in Tony Burke. Yeah, just want to quickly make mention of this, Jared. Um, the King, as is affectionately known to everyone within the industry and all his media colleagues, Tony Burke has passed away. He was, geez, he's, a, he's a fixture down in Melbourne for so many years, wasn't he? he was, you know, he was a racing editor of the age for more than 40 years. Wow. Quite a remarkable stint, wasn't it? He was known by all the major players in the industry, going back to you know the Tommy Smiths and the Bart Cummings when he was working. And in recent years, he's still been a, a presence around the Spring Carnival. Of course, the, uh, Racing Victoria's got him to sort of, I suppose, chaperone a lot of those international journalists to come out to Melbourne for the Spring Carnival. So the King's been on Australian racetracks for the best part of 50 or 60 years. It's a really sad loss for everyone involved in him. I just saw the tributes coming through yesterday on social media and various other forms. It just goes to show what a great person he was. Had a little bit to do with him, not much, but... Uh, yeah, fantastic guys. Yeah, I can go to his family and friends. Have you got anything for us at uh, Warwick Farm today? Yeah, I do, Loz. I actually like one in the very first race, race one number one at Tuno. I sort of blacked his horse after his first up running that Red Resistance Steel City race on a Saturday. It was just far too short for him. He only got beaten a, a very long margin, but he was really hitting the line nicely over the last 100 metres. So I thought, if you can find a single race back in grade over a bit sort of the ground, you might be a chance. So I think he's found one today. Warwick Farm on his home track, 1,300 metres. Only a smallish field. I think around that each-way price, he's definitely worth a play. And I think Richard Lee, in the back of his mind, might be thinking about sort of trying to target him towards some of those two-year-old races at the end of the carnival, maybe a champagne stakes, and all the two-year-olds sort of fall by the wayside. So I think this horse is a dead-set mile of this campaign. So I'm just hoping he can pick up one on the way through at 1,300 metres at Warwick Farm today. So that's race one, number one, a Tuno. He might be the value play on the program. $7 to win, two ten the place as it stands. Now, uh, there's some really important meetings coming up down south, and we should know by the end of this month, in fact, we will know by the end of this month, whether the Cox Plate will be moved, Adam? Yeah, the sense is, Jared, that it's getting likely. Um, wow. Which is a big call. It's a massive call. I know I've said, I think a couple of weeks ago, I said I'm probably not against a change as much as other people, but I'm not convinced it should happen. Um, I still think it's, it's it's in the right spot there, and I just love that progression from the Caulfield Cup to the Cox Plate to the Melbourne Cup. It's going to be what a massive What do the trainers call. say, Adam? Oh, some are for it. Lots, some are for it, and some are against it. But Gay Waterhouse isn't. Is, yeah, oh, Gay's, Gay's completely against it. Yeah, I think Lloyd yeah. Williams is against it. But I've heard guys like Danny O'Brien yeah. say he's, he's, he's all for it. So, But my theory is, once you move it, you can't go back. Like If, you, if you're going to go to November and a couple of weeks after the Melbourne Cup Carnival, you cannot turn around in a couple of years' time and say, oh, we made a mistake, we're going to go back. Um, so, you know, if you're going to tear up 100 years of tradition in history for one or two years of trialling something, it's a, it's a massive call, isn't it? So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to all work out. Um, I sort of hope it stays in the slot that's in at the moment, but I, I fear it's probably going to go at this stage. Good on you, mate. Have a good day. See you, boys.